Welcome everyone to another episode of the Night and Runs podcast. This is Chris Knighton, and I'm joined today by my friend Tucker Gross from Denver, Colorado. This is going to be the first episode in a series that I'm releasing with other running coaches where we'll be having one-on-one conversations about different topics that I think will be very interesting to our audience that relate to coaching in interesting ways. Today, we're actually going to be talking about high school coaching and the experiences that we've both learned as high school coaches, as well as coaches for adult marathoners and ultramarathoners, and the lessons that adult runners can learn from the experiences of youth high school training. Tucker is a coach at Stargate Academy in Thornton, Colorado, and also has his own online-based coaching business at trainingwithtucker.com. I've been a guest on Tucker's show a couple of times, and I'm excited to welcome him onto the Night and Runs podcast. Welcome, Tucker. So glad to have you here. Thanks for, for having me, Chris. We've had a couple of great conversations on, on my podcast, in addition to many many great conversations uh, throughout the years and have supported each other in, in growing our businesses. So it's great to continue our, our uh, conversation here. Yeah, I'm happy to finally welcome you onto the show. I think this is going to be a pretty interesting topic. We've grown our, our coaching businesses and started coaching in the running world kind of in tandem. So it's been fun to watch each other grow and develop as as coaches, as small business owners, and now as high school running coaches. Not sure if all of my listeners know this, but I started coaching at a local high school here in Rhode Island, St. Mary's Academy Bayview in East Providence last fall, 2021, and coached the indoor track and outdoor track season. And this upcoming fall, I'll be coaching the cross-country team there. And it's been a really fun and rewarding experience to work with kids in person. It's actually an all-girls school where I work. And I think that a lot of the ways that high school athletes train and the experiences that they have as they go through their season, adult runners in many ways go about their training differently than kids do. But I think that there's a lot that adults can learn from the high school training experience. What do you think about that, Tucker? I agree completely. Um, I, I think that there's, there's a lot of similarities and a lot of differences. Um, you know, for me as a, as a high school coach, I coach uh, cross country and and outdoor track and field. We actually don't have indoor track as a, as a high school sport here in Colorado. Um, but I do coach, we do kind of a club based indoor season. So it's really rewarding. I agree with everything you've said, and it's a completely different type of experience as a coach from the one-on-one stuff that I do. Um, you know, just getting to be there in person with a group, building the kind of team camaraderie and, and all of that is a, is a different kind of different kind of challenge from what we do as one-on-one coaches, but just from like the kind of nuts and bolts of, of coaching you know, with, with high school athletes, I think the, the big thing that, that I try to focus on with my athletes is uh, just developing them as athletes and really working on their coordination and their just really the basics of how they're moving. So many of these, these teenagers are 
still developing. Um, they're growing and they don't have great mechanics. You know, they kind of have that like baby deer kind of, uh, uh, you know, movement when they show up like freshman year, so many of them just move in really odd ways and they get away with it because, uh, they're kids, you know? And so they're, um, you know, they're kind of like rubber bands. They just bounce back pretty easily and they don't, they don't wear down nearly as much as us adults do, um, when they don't have, you know, great movement patterns. So for me, I start out the, each season with a heavy focus on just really breaking down how they're moving, working on form drills and working on strength and stability and all that. So that when we do start to up the volume, we hopefully can stay healthy. So I think for me, one of the big things that I see is something that adult athletes could could take from how high schoolers train, or at least my high schoolers train, is to really focus on on their movement. I think a lot of adult athletes just run a lot, especially those that are maybe not coached. They just get into running. They run every day. They run the same pace every day, and you know it, it's a good way to improve and develop. But they're probably repetitively doing things that are are not great for their body, right? If they're not moving in the way that maybe they should be, you know, they could be doing some, some damage. And a lot of athletes will, adult athletes will end up kind of seeing some, some problems. They'll have some, you know, knee pain, hip pain, shin splints, things like that, because they're repetitively doing things and, and their movement patterns aren't maybe as, as efficient as they should be. So I think that's, that's one big thing that, that adult athletes could learn from, from how I coach high schoolers. I like that a lot. We try to do a pretty similar thing at Bayview is get all the girls started the very first day learning how to do a proper warm up with different types of form drills, as well as doing strength exercises at the end of really day one of practice. And what we're hoping to do is develop good movement patterns and good core strength with these kids so that like you said, they come in freshman year in the way that they run. Yeah. It's like a baby deer running. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of hilarious, but hopefully they turn into that perfect runner form that, you know, it's hard to say exactly what perfect form is, but you kind of know it when you see it. Right. Um, yeah. when someone, when you look at someone run, you often can just say like, that's great. You can tell that's great form. They look beautiful as they run. And then other times you see someone do something and you can tell it it's not that efficient. Sometimes it still works for them, which is, which is a whole yep. other story, but especially when people are starting off developing those good movement patterns and the good habits, I think is really key. I agree with you that most adults who start running are probably not doing the supplemental work that we're talking about. I mean, I, I think anyone who says, Hey, I want to get off the couch and go run at 5k. They're not thinking like, okay, what core exercises should I be doing at the end of my run? What warm up drills should I be doing? Or what types of speed work should I be doing to make sure that I run with good form? They're not thinking about that. They're just thinking, go to the local path. How fast can they run a mile? And then can they do two miles? Can they do three miles? And I think same thing with the marathon. With our 5k runners in high school, for example, in cross country, I think with good programs, and I I like to hope that both you and I are trying to develop a good program is we really put an emphasis on 
that supplemental work from, from day one. That's definitely part of it. What, what are some things that you think adult runners can implement into their training to start to run with better form and not suffer some of these pitfalls that we were talking about if you just kind of go out and run all the time. We're, we have the luxury of being with our high school athletes every day and holding them accountable and making sure they do what we want them to do. But if you're just out there on your own as an adult training, whether that's with a coach or not, how can you incorporate that stuff into your program? It's a great question. And, uh, you know, I, I don't, I won't speak for you, but I know even I struggle with this. And if I'm left to my own devices, I'm not as consistent with the supplemental work as I am in a group setting. So I actually will do a lot of the exercises with my high school students, because I know I'm a lot more likely to, to do them with a group. I also coach an in-person group of adult athletes here in, in Denver. And so we'll do some sort of strength training, static stretching, post-run, uh, things that I probably spend, I don't know, five, 10 minutes on a few times a week on my own, uh, but I'm spending 10 to 15 minutes on with the group. So, you know, I think one, one suggestion would be to find a group to run with, or maybe not a group, but a training partner and hold each other accountable to actually doing some of this work before, during, after your runs. I think that can be, can be really helpful if you're on your own and you have 60 minutes of, of free time, it's very easy to say, all right, well, I'm going to go run for 60 minutes. And what you probably should do is go run for 45 minutes, make sure you're doing a nice active warm up and doing some strength work and static stretching post run. So I think that would be the, the suggestion, but are you going to do it? Probably not, right? You're probably going to go out and do your 60 minute run and, uh, and just jump in the shower and get, get on with your day. So, you know, if you can find somebody, whether it's a group or a friend, somebody to, to run with and hold each other accountable to actually doing this extra work. Um, it's not extra. I shouldn't say that word. Like it's, it's part of your training and it's a really important part of your training. If you're going to stay healthy and strong and be able to do this for a long term, long time, um, you know, I would almost argue that it's almost more important than the actual running. I think framing it that way is really important because I'm guilty of that too. I mean, whenever I'm short for time, the first thing I drop is my warm up routine and my strength training. I think probably most runners do that. Yes. And even calling this type of stuff supplemental is probably not doing it the justice it deserves. It's, it's a tricky topic because I, like, I firmly believe that like doing core and doing warmups and all that stuff, like it's not the thing that's going to make you the faster runner. Like it's the running that's going to make you the faster runner, but it's almost like an insurance policy against getting hurt and just making sure that you're the best that you can be where just like, just like you wouldn't drive around your car without like a liability insurance policy. And well, actually most places you can't, Yeah, you, you shouldn't just be going out and running all the time and not doing this type of stuff that's going to help protect you. And, you know, it's, it's hard to draw 
clear cut. And, you know, whenever anyone gets hurt, it's hard to like pinpoint the reason why. Right. But I think one of the best things that we can do is just make the supplemental work as important as the run itself and include it as part of the run. Like every, every single time, if you're supposed to be doing that it that day, you do it. And if you need to run a little bit less because of that, that's okay. Uh, at our school, we, our practices are, are two hours long. They're from three to 5 PM. We don't always fill that time entirely. There's some downtime in it, but we have that time available. So we know we can get our run in, we know we can do, you know, the drills we might be doing that day. And we know we can do the strength. And if we want to talk about something going on, we, we have the time to do it. Two hours is a lot of time. And that may be more than most adults want to contribute towards their running each day. But if you have an hour, if you have 45 minutes, figure out how much running you can do. And then how are you also going to fit in this other stuff too? Because it's, I do think all of these things, not just the running need to be included into your day-to-day to make you a well-rounded athlete. For sure. I really love the car analogy and comparison there. Um, you know, I like to think of it and I'm certainly not the first to, to use this analogy, but, uh, you know, the, the running builds a stronger engine, right. And that's important, but it's the stretching, it's the strength, it's the drills. That's all the, the maintenance work. You know, you wouldn't drive around your car for a very long time if you weren't getting oil changes and you weren't, um, you know, making sure that you replace the tires and replace the brakes when you needed to and, and things like that. Right. And, you know, the, the fuel that you're putting into the car is, is you're making sure that you're getting enough calories and you're getting enough healthy foods and all that. So if you want your car to, to run for a long time, 200,000 miles, and you want it to last you and serve you well and allow you to drive fast on the highway and drive for a long time, uh, you know, you got to make sure you're, you're doing the maintenance work and you're taking care of things. So same is true with, with our running, you know, yes, the, the, the running is the most important thing. It is what is going to get you faster, but if you want to be running for a long time, make sure you're doing the supplemental work, make sure you're, you're putting in the time and effort to, to make sure that your, your engine can be carried along for a long time. Yeah. You put that nicely there. One other thing that I think that high school coaching really shows off the power of is teamwork. High school cross country and track is a team sport. Though there's individual competitors trying to get PRs, the team scores and people's placement matters and they work together to accomplish the shared goal. And this is something that pretty much is non-existent in adult running. You see it a little bit in run clubs and, you know, for example, like in night and runs coaching, I have the night and lions, which is our team of athletes. And I really try to develop that team atmosphere a lot because I think it's so powerful, but Tucker, what's been your experience coming from, you know, the adult running world where it's very kind of siloed individuals, you know, you don't really care about the performances of others beyond them, just, you know, you being happy for your friends and then making it a team sport. What's been your 
What's your takeaway on that? Yeah, it, it's something that I'm still working on. Um, I also spent eight years coaching ice hockey, and that's much more of a team setting. And it's easier to to see that, you know, we all need to be doing our job if the team's going to be successful. And running, it's a little bit harder to see. Uh, so, you know, I think it's one is just explaining to the athletes that they all play a part. Uh, but it can be a little hard to, to convince your 15th runner who isn't scoring track and field is a little bit different because you have your specific events, but in cross country, you score your, your top five typically. So if you're outside the top five and your next two, six and seven can be tiebreakers. So they, they matter, but yeah, your 10th, 15th, 18th runner, however many you have, they're not really scoring. Um, so, you know, I think one way I really try to, to instill, uh, you know, the sense of kind of teamwork is just, you know, playing some games and things like that, making things fun, um, building that, that team bond by having some like team, team dinners and, and things like that. Um, I do try and let individuals lead certain parts of practice. So I will have. Um, you know, I'll have like maybe a freshman lead us through our, our dynamic stretches. Um, you know, I'll have a sophomore who never talks, lead us through our, our form drills and try to just make sure that everybody feels like they are a part of the team, um, and is contributing, uh, even if they aren't necessarily scoring for us in meets, uh, just making sure that they, they have a role on the team and that they have value on the team. So, um, you know, it, it can definitely be challenging to, to do that, but, uh, I just try to, to, yeah, make it fun and make sure everybody has a role and a part of the team. Some of the things you just described with how you try to foster the team culture with your, your high schoolers is, is great. That's sort of what we try to do at Bayview as well. We want, we want the individual athletes to have roles supporting the team as well and have it not just necessarily be all kind of like top down led by the coach i think the more that the athletes can kind of get involved in their own running and you know even deciding like where are we going to go today try to give them a little bit of agency on like what events they want to run encouraging them to do different things i think that's really helpful and i I'm, one thing i've noticed a lot in I guess I'll say like the relay races, for example, sometimes we see athletes have really good performances on the relay races. And I think that's because they really like actually competing as a team. Sometimes when you're just out there running alone and cross country is tough because if you are a big team, often it's more that like the top athletes who are scoring, but in track, you know, there's so many events that everyone really can play a role generally. I mean, generally the bigger your team is the better in track yep. because you can fill all the different events. And we see this so many times where, you know, someone might run a certain time in a certain event when it's solo, but then when they get to a relay, you just see them like unlock this whole new level and they dig deeper, you know, they, they run harder they really put it all out there more. And it's, it's cool to see. I've always thought that 
in some ways, relays are some of the funnest events. And I'm actually going to be coaching cross country for the first time this fall. And I'm excited for cross country because the way that it scores, you basically get a point for your position. So if you're, you're first in the race, you get one point. If you're fifth in the race, you get five points. Right. And as different runners come in from different schools, basically like you combine up the points and the, the school with the lowest overall score wins. So it's cool. It means like, you know, you may not be, you may be kind of far back in the race, but like every position kind of matters if you're one of your top five finishers on your team. So I don't know. I think that part's kind of cool. And I think that in adult, the adult world of running, you know, we don't necessarily have scores that we're trying to get when it comes to our races. We're not like, it's not like, you know, the night lines competing against Tucker Gross's training with Tucker group. And like, we're, you know, the, the rankings are battling it out. People more so have PRs to go after, after, and, you know, some athletes, um, are running for position, but that's more rare. I always think, I don't know. I, I wish there was more team stuff in adult yeah. running. I, I, it's something that I try to foster. Like, I'm curious if you, what you do with your athletes to try to develop a team culture, or if you tend to keep your athletes kind of, you know, siloed one-to-one because as you know, we, we both coach people all over the country. But what I found is like the more I can get people kind of engaged with the night and lions as like a team and as a brand and wanting to represent it, they just seem to have more passion behind what they're doing. It it's like a little bit more than just about them. And yep. it's more about kind of like, you know, flying the flag of this team and wanting to make not just me proud as their coach, but like the other athletes as well. Do you do anything with that in your, your adult coaching world? I do somewhat. Yeah. And, and I agree completely with what you said about how athletes I've seen at the high school level will find that other gear in a, in a relay setting. And I've actually done a couple times now in the Denver area, I've done a marathon relay for adults and it's been super fun. And you really see people dig deep. It's hard to compare like running 5.6 miles in a, in a relay to whatever race result you've done individually. But I have seen a lot of, you know, team camaraderie and people really pushing themselves in, in those relays. So that's something that I've had a lot of fun with doing like a five person marathon relay. Um, so that, you know, that's one thing, but you're right. There really isn't that, uh, the team kind of feel in, in a lot of amateur adult endurance events. So fostering that can be, can be really helpful. Um, I co-lead a in-person group, as I mentioned earlier here with our mutual friend, Sarah Manderscheid. And, uh, the, this past winter, our group, uh, primarily ran the Colorado marathon and half marathon. And so we had about a dozen athletes up at that event and, you know, some other athletes that went to different events, but it was really great having a significant amount of people at that event. And we had 
a couple in the 10 K a handful in the half marathon, a handful in the marathon. And we heard from a number of those athletes afterwards that even though they weren't necessarily running with each other, just knowing that their teammates that they had worked hard with all winter were out there pushing themselves, helped them push through when things got tough. Mm-hmm. So, you know, something that I've done and, and will continue to do is have these sorts of team races. And it's hard to do when we do have athletes all over the, the States and internationally and whatnot. But if you can get your athletes or a few athletes to the same event, I think there's some, some real value in that. And it, it can be challenging because we all want to run the, the Chicago's and the Boston's and the New York's and, and those are hard to get into. Um, so the, the group that Sarah and I are coaching for the summer, we're targeting the Indianapolis marathon and half marathon. And it's a smaller, smaller than Boston, Chicago, but it's still a, a big city marathon. So it's a little bit easier to sign up for without a qualifying time and, and all that. And, uh, so I think that's one way that you can kind of bring in that, that team atmosphere to it. Even if you're not scoring points necessarily, you're still out there on the course. You know that you have friends, teammates out there pushing themselves and it, it can allow you to dig deep and, and push through when, when things get tough. Hmm. Did you run in high school, Tucker? Yep. I ran cross country and track and field. I, interestingly, um, I was a big hockey guy, so Mm -hmm. I did not want to run cross country. So I didn't run until my junior year and, uh, I was convinced to, to come out and, uh, pretty much just walked onto the, the varsity team as a junior, um, which I certainly would not have been as on my freshman or sophomore year, because we had some very, very good teams. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I ran track freshman, sophomore, junior year. And then uh, decided to play lacrosse my senior year. So <laughs> played a number of different sports, but I did run. Nice. Thanks for sharing that. I never actually did sports really in high school. Um, I was more of a gamer and kind of like skateboarder type guy. I, I wanted to be out of school as soon as the like last bell rang and never wanted to hang out. I think the longest I ever made it with any extracurricular activity was like a couple of weeks just to try it out. And then I just wanted my freedom to be gone. Um, and I really only picked up running when I was like 26 or 27, I think. So I kind of missed out on that whole team experience. I probably never really played on a team for a full season. I tried a bunch of stuff, but missed missed out on it and it's been fun getting into high school coaching as a coach now yeah um and seeing that in many ways I'm, I'm really pretty jealous but one thing that I did as an adult when I got into running was pretty quickly try to like integrate into a club and befriend other people in those clubs my gateway into running was through trail running And in Massachusetts, there's the Trail Animals Running Club. That was actually the first group that I met a lot of my running friends with. It's not really a team, but they host different events. And I would go to many of their races, see a lot of the same faces. And that was pretty fun to do. 
Then I joined the Heartbreakers in Boston, which is is a team and has weekly track workouts where people come together and run. They host long runs, tempo runs, all that sort of stuff. And then they had, they try to create like a clubhouse type atmosphere. They would have all sorts of after parties after some of their runs and special events. And that was really fun too, to try to just get to know other runners better. You know, you'd all kind of wear the same uniform in your races and though in most of them, again, like, yeah, we weren't really like scoring with each other for anything. It was cool to race with other people and kind of like fly the same flag under the Heartbreaker brand. Um, I really enjoyed, enjoyed that. And when I started Night and Runs, I think I pretty quickly realized as it grew that in order to make like a meaningful impact on the athletes I was coaching, I wanted to make it more than just about me and like one-on-one me and them. I wanted to create a team as well. So like we created team singlets. Most of my athletes will run and race in those singlets. And that's been really cool. Like I see them post on Instagram. Um, I feel like it's become a little bit bigger than just me, which ultimately I hope is the goal. <laughs> um, but it's fun. Like some of my athletes, a lot of my athletes follow each other on Instagram and, you know, comment on each other's posts and wish each other good luck and give congratulations after races. And, and that's cool to see. It's nice to see that like a team culture is developing. And I think that really for any runner who's out there just totally lone wolfing it, going so low. I would really look into trying to join some kind of club or a team, whether that's an in-person one in your community or an online based one, like the teams that both Tucker and I run or kind of like an online community. Like I'm trying to develop with my training group on, on Patreon. I just think that like sharing what you're doing with others is just one of the most powerful elements of run training that if you're not doing it all, there's just like such an obvious benefit you could get, um, from that. Yeah, completely, completely agree. Um, you know, to touch on what you said about your, your high school youth athletics experiences, you know, I think one thing that's, that's really cool about, about amateur running is that there are many different paths to get here. And there are so many people that do get into running in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and have a lot of success with it, you know, which is great to see. I mean, it's, I think there's certainly value in lifetime mileage and having a background in whether it's running in high school and college, um, anything like that, like is probably going to help you in the long run. But the number of times somebody I'll have a conversation with a runner and they're like, Oh yeah, I started running during the pandemic, like 2020 and yeah, I BQ'd. And I'm like, how did you like get there that fast? <laughs> you know, like it took me eight years and I was a high school runner, but you know, there's so many different, different paths to getting here. And uh, you know, there's no, there's no right or wrong way to get into running. And once you find it, it's uh, it's so rewarding, but um, to touch on, you know what you're saying about the team atmosphere um you know i think we both probably have 
some sort of, of community home. Mine is on Facebook. And uh, so, you know, I try to to give athletes opportunities to engage with each other there. And it is great, like you said, to see people wishing each other luck, uh, you know, whether it's on Instagram or Facebook or anything like that and checking in with each other. And um, I just had two athletes run the Napa to Sonoma half marathon this past weekend. And they're from opposite sides of the country and they only know each other through training with me. And, uh, and they got together and, you know, got to meet up and have a conversation and, and all that. And like, it was super cool for me to see like these two athletes that don't really know each other that well, um, just maybe through social media and see them meet up in person. So yeah, it's great to see the, the community that you've built and the, the team that you've built. It's a little bit harder when you're not all together in person, but I do think there's still a ton of value in that that community, that team atmosphere, even if it is just virtual. One of the other things that I've been trying to do, some of the stuff you're just saying just got me thinking about it, is we have so many athletes who fundraise for different charities, whether that's to get into a major marathon or smaller race. I have a couple of athletes doing the Falmouth road race here in Massachusetts pretty soon. And there's a fundraising element to this. And for, I I've never personally fundraised for a race and I not really until like the past year, did I really get it? I think, but now I, I kind of get it. And like for most folks, the fundraising element can be as hard or harder than the training itself. So I've been trying to use the platform that I've created to help my athletes in their fundraising efforts as well and try to get the team, the night and runs team, the night lines to support the fundraising a bit as well. So one thing that I started doing and is, is trying to, to give a small contribution to any of my athletes who are fundraising. I think that that's really helpful. Um, but I'm also trying to, you know, promote, their efforts both within the team and send it out to like my wider mailing list and social media network you know pretty much every spring and fall i have you know five athletes or something fundraising so i try to like promote that out and it's cool because i see some of my other athletes donating to those who are fundraising as well so you know there's many ways that you can support each other monetarily it's just one of them, but these are just like other ways that I think that as runners, we can kind of work together for the greater good. And when I was saying earlier, how like I didn't quite get the whole concept of fundraising for a race until this year, what I think I realized is if you fundraise to get to a race, when you are actually at that race and it starts to get hard, you can think of all those people who supported you to get you there. And you can draw yeah. on them for inspiration to get you to the finish line as strong as you can. And I think that if you go into it with that mindset and you think about like, who am I helping or what am I helping by having done this fundraising and how can I harness that energy to run a great race? That has the ability to be really powerful. And it's an alternative 
to, you know, just like my path to running the boss marathon is I, I BQ'd under my own merit and got in the race that way. You know, um, my performance was on me. It was on me and my training. And like, I, I didn't necessarily have this like support system behind me that I could think of when the going got tough. Yeah. I, um, that's kind of another story. I actually did think of like my friends and family during that race, but anyway, I think that's just one other way that teams can come together to support each other. Yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, that's another way that you can have that kind of team atmosphere is with your support staff. I mean, mm -hmm. nobody does any of this stuff alone and especially at marathons and ultras and whatnot, like having, even if it's just people out there cheering for you goes a long way. Um, if you have somebody crewing for you, it, it means a lot. So there are ways, even if you don't have teammates out there running with you to have that kind of team atmosphere. I mean, for me right now, I would say my team as an athlete from an athlete's perspective is my coach, my physical therapist, uh, my therapist, you know, those are all my, my teammates. Those are, they're in my corner and I don't get to the start line in Chicago this fall without them. So, you know, that kind of creates the, the team feel as well. Before we wrap up here, I wanted to get your thoughts on one other aspect of high school training that I think adult runners largely miss. And it's the whole concept of like training progression in terms of, let's say like distance and event. Um, high school runners start off racing shorter distances and over time, the distances that they race increase. So freshman cross country is often like a 3k race. High school cross country is a 5k race college cross country is often like a 6k 8k or 10k, 10K race yep. and then you see this in the pro ranks as well because most professionals are within that high school to college model where they start with track and slowly go up and then they transition to the road and you know generally when someone moves to half marathon and marathon it's kind of because they're past their prime in the shorter distances but I think what we generally see in adult running is people pretty much going straight to the half marathon, full marathon, or even ultra. And if they do the shorter distances, they just kind of think of them as like stepping stones in terms of not maximizing your potential before you move up, but just like ticking the box of like, okay, I can run a 5k. Okay. I can run 10k. What's the next challenge? Half. And what's the next challenge marathon. And then what's the next challenge Boston qualifier. <laughs> and, um, I personally see this a lot where it's like, I, I have athletes who want to be Q and it's like, okay, you, you, you can be Q, but it's like, you haven't even broken like 20 in the 5k if you're a guy <laughs> or, you know, yeah. um, any thoughts on that? I don't know if I could say it any, any better than you just did. It, it's definitely a problem. And, uh, I think, I mean, you, you just released a fantastic book that I'm in the middle of reading all about running faster marathons. So the marathon is sexy. You know, everybody wants to check that box and it's this bucket list item that people want to do. 
and it is addicting. You know, I think a lot of people check that box and then they're like, okay, now I want to run faster. Like you're saying, now I want to go for that BQ, which is great, but is it the best thing for them as an athlete? Probably not. And they are missing out on a lot of development opportunities by skipping over the shorter, faster stuff. So yeah, it's definitely a problem. And, you know, I think the, the shorter, faster stuff is, is harder and it's uncomfortable in many ways. Like marathon training is not easy, but 5k training, I would say is almost harder And 5k racing. If you're really racing a 5k, like that, that's almost harder than running a BQ, um, you know, it might be less time of discomfort, but, uh, you really have to push yourself. And a lot of people aren't willing to do that. So I think there's a lot of physical, but also a lot of mental benefits to the training and the racing in the shorter distances. So, you know, I try to encourage my athletes to, to do some of that stuff as well, but everybody is, is different and everybody's motivated by what they're motivated to pursue. And so it can be hard to steer somebody in that direction. But I do think if, if there are any, uh, anyone out there that's listening to this, you know, spend a couple of years training specifically for everything shorter than half marathon and just see what you can do. See how fast you can get in the 5k, see how fast you can get in the 10k, maybe the mile I'm, I'm racing two, two mile races in the next month here. And I'm super excited for it. Um, I'm doing them more for fun, but uh, like, I'm not training specifically for them, but, uh, I do think there's there's a lot of value in that stuff. So go out, sign up for some stuff and see if you can test yourself on the, on the shorter distances. One thing that I often tell my athletes is you can either get faster or you can improve your endurance and you kind of need to pick one at a time. It's pretty tough to do them both in tandem. So when it comes to the marathon, if someone has like a big ambitious marathon goal, time goal, I really want them to be fast enough in the shorter distances first before they then try to run like the equivalent time in the marathon, right? Like if someone wants to, let's say run, break four hours in the marathon, it's like, okay, well, hopefully you have done like 150 or so in the half marathon first. So if you can get faster at shorter distances first, before you move up to the longer distances, I just think that the longer distance events are going to go a lot smoother. You're going to be able to run them, you know, faster with less risk of injury. You're going to have to spend way less time actually out there on your long runs. And I think it'll just be a more pleasurable experience once you take that transition to the longer distance events. If like you've earned the pedigree in the shorter distances first to then be able to accomplish these big goals in the longer distances. That's my yeah. take on it. I know we're, we're about to wrap this up, but I want to put you on the spot with a follow-up question to that. What do you think the vast majority of adult endurance athletes, what is their favorite type of workout? Mm before they come to me for coaching or after they come to me for coaching? Let's go with after. The marathon paced long run. Okay. Something like 16 miles with 12 of those at marathon pace. I think that's their favorite 
workout. Okay. And what would you say their least favorite type of workout is? Um, that is a good question. I think probably it depends on the runner. I don't know. I try to, I don't know if I have, what's, what's your athlete's least favorite workout? I've tried to get away so, from ones that people don't like, but yeah. So the reason I ask those questions is that I find, and this ties into what we're talking about with like doing the shorter distance. I find that most adult athletes that are training for half marathons and marathons love everything tempo and slower. It's yes. the short, short, fast stuff that people don't like. And so, yes, it's, it's part of our job as a coach to try and make sure that they're getting joy out of their training. But I also think that typically if you're, if you're a good coach, you're looking at where's the gap in their, in their athleticism, where's mm -hmm. the thing that they haven't developed fully that we can, uh, we can get a lot of benefit from the, from working on. And oftentimes it's the short, fast stuff and people don't want to do it. It's not fun. It's hard, but it's probably the best bang for their buck because it's something that they haven't really spent a lot of time doing. So there's a lot of room for improvement. Yeah. I think the shorter, faster stuff, often my athletes are probably more afraid to do it, but then after they've done it, I think generally they're pretty happy with themselves because they've gone into kind of a, a zone that they haven't felt in a long time. They've pushed themselves in ways that they haven't done. And they've probably run a different way of running than they've maybe ever run before. I mean, like if you just go and run a mile pace 400 and then take like a two minute walk break in between, that's so different than what most people do when they're training for a marathon. Um, but it can be a key yeah. element of it. If it's in part of a greater picture, I actually just had about a dozen of my athletes do a summer one mile training challenge. And I kind of couldn't believe this, but just about every single person set a PR in the mile after five weeks of training, I gave them about a month of track workouts at mile pace and then a weekly fart lick, which was by feel and a fairly short, long run, maybe, you know, 10 miles or 12 miles or, or less. Um, and literally I think every single person, except maybe one or so, um, had set a PR in a time trial after that. And it, it exposed a big gap in my mind that adults are probably leaving a lot on the table by not practicing in these shorter distances and having never given them, um, that much attention. Um, yeah. you know, as a, a well-trained athlete who'd kind of been through the ranks, like gone, gone through track training and then did marathon. If you brought them back to the mile, they might not feel the PR, but most marathoners can probably PR after just like a month of mile specific training. Cause they've never really practiced that before. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think that that was a lesson that I learned from coaching high school cross country, uh, is just the more you practice these faster distances and the more you do like the supplemental work that we're doing and 
when you go with your team and compete week after week after week, you like practice just from experience, like how to get better at these events. This has been a really interesting conversation. Hopefully it was interesting to the listeners as well. I know I enjoyed it as a fellow coach. Is there anything you're working on now that you'd like to share with the audience? Yeah, good question. Um, nothing as exciting as a book launch like like yourself, but I I did just open up five spots on my roster for fall marathoners, uh, and I'm doing a little promo until August seventh. Uh, it's uh, the promo code is fall marathon twenty two. Get twenty two percent off first month of training, and you get entered into a drawing to win a free pair of nike alpha flies so uh that's a little little deal i have going on currently but um yeah i am in uh the last three weeks before my cross country season starts up so i'm enjoying my my summer right now and enjoying my my in-person training group here and helping all my athletes and working on my own training towards our, our fall objectives so staying busy and uh i appreciate you having me on today and Look forward to chatting again soon. Thanks for coming on. And if you're listening to this and have enjoyed what Tucker has been saying throughout the episode, please do check him out. He's a good friend of mine and a great coach. I'm sure he'll be able to help you out. Just go to trainingwithtucker.com. Yes, and... sir. Trainingwithtucker.com and at trainingwithtucker on Instagram. All right, cool. Well, good luck in your summer training with your cross country team and Best of luck this upcoming season. Can't wait to hear how it goes. Same to you. And we'll talk soon. All right. Bye. All right. So I hope your running's going well, but don't forget to run fast. Today's episode is brought to you by the Night and Runs training group on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join my online community of runners working to become the best athletes that they can be, Check out patreon.com slash night and runs there. You can join a private Facebook community to get support from me and the other athletes in the training group about how your training is going. Get your questions answered here on the night and runs podcast, download a whole bunch of training plans that I've put together for beginner, intermediate and advanced athletes, as well as join us for monthly community calls and Q and A's. One other small ask, if you enjoy the show, I'd love it if you could leave a quick and honest review on your listening platform of choice. That really helps a ton in recommending this show to other listeners like you who you think might benefit from it as well. And that's all for this week. Thanks so much for listening. Stay tuned. We'll be releasing a Night and Runs podcast episode every single week. So until next time, bye.